Hello and welcome to episode 201 of the Saint Score podcast, where we discuss everything going on at Southampton Football Club. Sheffield Wednesday made the long trip down to St Mary's with confidence after securing five wins in their last eight championship games, but they were simply no match for Southampton, who thumped the inform Owls 4 0. Adams, Armour, Fraser, and Mara were all in the goals to analyse it all and discuss all the big topics around the club, including some breaking transfer news my name is harry tizard and i'm joined by just ollie boast this week and ollie how are you doing i'm good it's feeling a bit empty in this room isn't it we have we've only got me and you uh jamie is off skiing it's his annual ski yeah it's annual ski i didn't know he was making an annual but there we go yeah i mean you can still stick around to the end i think he has passed on from the alps i think he sent a uh, uh what is it a school oh, yes. prediction or yeah. something i think that's all we're letting him say this episode <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um, yeah, he'll be there. I'm, I'm, I'm doing good, Harry. We had a good little catch up before this, didn't we? We kept it all off air, but um, yeah, I mean, it's only been like four days, and we're already talking again about Saints, aren't we? The busy schedule means we're here again. But I'm, I'm doing all right. You're doing okay. Yeah, I'm good. It's almost like London buses, as the old cliche goes. You don't see them for ages, and then two come at you at once, and it's exactly how how the podcast goes. Um, but yeah, I'm doing well. I was actually went to the Saints game on Saturday oh. as well, so I was able to watch our four nil victory. And yeah, these podcasts are just nice ways for us to catch up on a weekly basis. It's always been like that for the last four years when you know, I was at uni, or even before that college when we were living in the same place. Then you, I was in Derby, you were in Bristol, James was in London, Mikey was still here. Um, but he, you know, he's, he's gone on to big things that eventually we will announce once we eventually get him here to get in the podcast studio. Everything is okay with that, by the way. Like, Mikey is fine. Can we just like... <laughs> But it's just uh, he's he's just not uh, appearing on the episodes right now, which will all will be clear soon enough, won't it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, Southampton, like I said, a four nil win versus Sheffield Wednesday, and we did briefly go into second place. And you know, I was feeling great when I got home. I saw that Sunderland were one nil up against Ipswich. I thought this would be a perfect Saturday. (laughs) Portsmouth are losing as well. Leicester lost early in the day to Coventry, maybe getting first place as a a pipe dream, but it's still a dream that. It's in within reach, just. But yeah, the tractor boys came back to win two one. So we are third. But you look at the game, Ollie. What were your thoughts? It was. I mean, first of all, we got that one nil, and we we're taking a little bit of time to get the next one. But I, I, it almost seems kind of rehearsed now. It feels like we get the one nil, we pull the opposition out. They have to overcommit, and I think that second goal, you could really hear it. if you rewatch the the highlights. There's a roar around that crowd because. Not only is it a, a class finish, that it's a it's the one of the easiest opportunities you'll see all season, but it got put away and that relief from the crowd. It was you could see the opposition had to come away from their game plan. They had to get up the pitch, commit more players. Uh, and we exposed that and we put it away away well. It's a beautiful I mean, who was closest on the predictions? That's the real question. Jamie, because he said 3-0 and we thought it's not going to be that comprehensive against a, a really decent team at the moment, even though they're in the relegation zone. But of course, Jamie, with an emphatic win prediction, is always going to be the closest. Well, there you go. It was even better than that. I mean, four clean sheet again, a perfect result, really. And it, uh, we were starting to get a little, if you listen back to last episode, we were getting a little bit shaky, weren't we? We were thinking we're near that near that undefeated streak, near the records. This could be a game that could trip us up, but it definitely didn't look at it by the time it came to, to five o'clock because uh, we kind of, we made it look easy, didn't we? I mean, yeah, you look at the home form in the last eight games, eight consecutive wins, 23 goals, only three conceded and five clean sheets as well. What do you think is behind that? Do you think it's lots of confidence? Do you think it's the sellout stadiums that we're seeing a lot at the moment? Because the last few seasons, I think like we mentioned in the previous pods, we didn't really see too many victories in our own ground. And now it's not just victories, but it's clean sheets as well. Yeah, I think it comes from, first of all, like you said, the the fans being there, really filling up the stadium. And I think when when it's good, it just keeps snowballing. And um, I think at the start of the season, there were a little bit of some fans getting a little bit not concerned, but you could feel that slight tension in the air that are we doing with what we needed to with the possession? But now I think fans are, they've got that patience. They know that if they wait, there will be the, the results that come from it. And we will eventually get that goal. Just sometimes it takes a little bit more searching for us to go and get it. But 
yeah, I think credit has to go to the fans. We're all turning up and getting these, uh, filling the stadium up to as much as we can. I mean, we're seeing 28, 29,000 Saints fans there and it's really do the away end take their allocation now. So we're selling out the seats and, and people are coming to enjoy Saints controlling the game as well. I, I, I think back to the relegation season, you'd see us with 17, 18% possession at home and teams against Brighton coming to us and completely, you know, wiping the floor with us. Uh, Bournemouth at home was another, again, for me, low light because it felt like they were we were they were going on the up trajectory, we were going on the down. But yeah, look at it now, we're, we're, we're controlling possession, you get to see uh, players on top form, you know we're probably going to get a couple of goals and uh, yeah, it's just a, a joy to watch at the moment, isn't it? Now, when you look at the starting eleven, Ryan Fraser makes his first start in the Championship since the 25th of November. It's always been a dozy on that side, or Suleimano, or just really anyone else but Fraser. He's made a lot of good impacts off the bench, but in his four starts beforehand, he hadn't really done too much in, in the league. I mean, in the... Uh, in the FA Cup, he had two goals, one assist against Warsaw. So he did really well to prove himself there. But that was sort of expected. We sort of knew what the team would look like, at least from the attacking phase with Adams up front and maybe Armstrong on the right. But in the midfield, Alcaraz has only started one of the last seven games. And even though Russell Martin said he is going to be a really important figure for us this season, you don't have to start games to be credited with being an important figure. Why do you think that is? You sort of surprise as a main player from last season and someone really that I was uh, quite pleased with in the last episode and thought he was starting to get in his groove, you know, two assists against Warsaw, an absolutely cracking goal against Plymouth as well. He's in and out the team. Yeah, it, it doesn't seem like he can kind of nail down the position. And I don't really think, well, like you've mentioned there, he's, he's doing enough to, I think, warrant a start. And I think a lot of fans want to see him as well because he's a he's an electric player that can make things happen. Um I don't know whether it's managing his minutes, whether he's a little bit more hungry when he comes off the bench, but I think whatever we're doing is still working and whether maybe it's a little bit more balance in the midfield that um, when he's not playing, we can kind of have a little bit of a stronger free. I know our midfield does roam a lot and they move a lot in terms of their positioning. And if one player goes over, the other one covers the middle. And if it's potentially something off ball defensively that Alcaraz could put it up. I don't, but I don't really know. I don't really see it to be honest. I think he he does deserve to start, but then we've got a lot of players that deserve to start. There isn't one person in this in this team that is guaranteed every single every single minute first name on the team sheet. You know, there's there's plenty of of people who could come in and out of this team, which we've been singing the praises for all over Christmas because it, it really got us through those fixtures and allowed us to to continue this unbeaten run. But yeah, it does feel like some players who you think deserve that starting place just don't get the opportunity. Yeah, you mentioned the midfield there. Flynn Downs is normally the the holding midfielder. Sometimes we do see Charles, but I mean, Flynn Downs is absolutely fantastic. Mm. We see to say it every episode, but he, he, he just is. Smallbone was in there as well. And then you've got Stuart Armstrong. Do you think we can have a team where you have both Stuart Armstrong and Carlos Alcaraz in, in the same midfield? Or do you think Martin, because of... Uh, Stuart Armstrong's quite good form, an experienced figure, and someone that he clearly quite likes. They have to share the minutes, and the the other midfield spot goes to a more. I'm not sure. I swear, just a not complete is probably the wrong word, but someone that just does the basics really well, like a small bone. You're always going to get a seven or eight out of ten against small bone. You're not going to get a six. You're not really going to get a nine or ten. But you know he's going to have the the 93% passing rate. He's not going to do anything too fancy on the ball. He's just going to keep the team ticking. He reminds me a bit of the the Stephen Davis, Jack Cork, just kind of in the background, just letting things tick along. Um, but yeah, I think Armstrong and Alcaraz is slightly too attacking. That feels like too advanced, possibly number 10s. And then you've got Flynn Downs on his own. That feels like a lot of gap. Uh, and I think Armstrong and Alcaraz like to do the same thing, which is find pockets of space. And they're both progressive. They both like finding forward passes. Uh, and I feel like they could kind of, cross over each other a little bit if they do play both at the same time. Whereas Smallbone is that little bit more box-to-box, can um, pop in with a little interception. But I think he he fills into the gaps quite nicely. Whereas I think, yeah, Armstrong and Alcaraz are much more roamers. They like to go roaming into the space and, and getting onto the ball a little bit more. I think Smallbone's a little bit more of a, 
a safer player and can kind of allow the ball to recycle and be a, yeah, a little bit more of a, a consistent point in the team. So, uh, yeah, I think Stuart Armstrong and Alcaraz will probably be going forward competing for that position rather than playing together. Now, look, when you have a look at the game, Sheffield Wednesday, where they really could have scored within the first minute against Leicester and against Sunderland early on in the season when things weren't going our way. Teams took their chances in the opening 60 seconds. Bazuna makes a bit of a mishap and Taylor Harwood Bellis goes, no, let's not pass it around the back. Let's just smash it out for a corner and just reset. And Bazuna, we know he's made a few mistakes recently, uh, but he's recovered really well and he's kept plenty of clean sheets on home soil as well. But when you look at Taylor Harwood Bellis, his first three games in a Saints shirt, all defeats. He was part of the maybe the transitional period when he was he was thrown straight in. But since his debut, he's only missed one game, starting every single one apart from that. What sort of figure is he at centre back? And you look at you know his influence influence on the team. Someone like Vestergaard that used to be able to spray passes left, right and centre, good diagonals. Taylor Hoberbest does have that, but he almost seems to like curl balls over the mm. top and just, he has the same level of quality, but just in a, in a different style. Yeah, he kind of just lofts it. It's a little mm. dink, isn't it? It's really nice. But yeah, he's so calm. And I think when you see a player of that calmness behind you, I think him playing it into the midfield, playing it back to the keeper... I think it just settles everyone down. And I think that's so important. I think you could see with Jack Stevens and Bednarak a little bit when they were learning this new style, it felt a little bit edgy. And I think strikers, when they're pressing, could kind of smell blood a little bit and think there's a mistake in here. They don't want the ball, which is probably true to an extent because they've been programmed by three managers before to kind of not hoof the ball, but get rid of, rid of it and then play our style, which is to win the second ball or counter-press and and make our possession and, and be dangerous through those ways. So it did look like that a little bit, whereas now you've got a player who, who came in and we've sung his praises so many times, but he likes the ball at his feet. That's how he wants to play. He's, he's comfortable and he knows how he needs to move in the system as well to be able to receive the ball, who he needs to play it off to. And those those passing movements are kind of natural to him, I and mean, you can see it. And I think it it rubs off on the other players as well. And he's you can kind of see that seniority that he holds. He's not the oldest in the team, but in terms of the way the kind of professionalism that he has, and the way that the confidence that he shows playing this style, it is almost like having a senior figure in the dressing room, even though he is so young. Which is quite a strange thing to say, but. I think hopefully you can kind of understand what I mean by that. Well, yeah, he has that winner's mentality from A, going through the Manchester City Academy, B, being out on loan at Burnley last season. And I've got absolutely no idea why they didn't make that permanent, but that benefits us rather than them who are quite struggling at the moment. He's also had other championship loans as well, even though I believe he's only 20, 21. He's had plenty of... Uh, senior minutes playing this sort of system as well. I mean, he creates one of our first chances. He plays the ball down the right. Fraser uh, gets onto the end of a car walk. Peters Cross and his bouncing effort is headed off the line. Howard Bellis himself puts a header over the bar as well. Before our first goal, of course, Adam Armstrong is the creator. His cross from the byline is not cleared away. And Adam is just complete composure, something that we don't always see from the former Sheffield United man. He controls it really well, puts it in the bottom corner. Dawson goes the other way and he looks to be celebrating in one corner, then realises the Sheffield Wednesday fans are over there, the arch rivals of him and uh, the Blades as well, and celebrates right in front of them. We sort of mentioned this a lot in the previous podcast because there's such a, a quick over overlap from this podcast to the last and some people might not have been able to catch it. What are your thoughts on Che Adams? Three, uh, I think four goals since his opener um, a few a few weeks ago, not his opener, but his first since August. Since then, he scored four goals. Someone that's seemingly, seemingly playing with a lot of confidence at the moment and someone that wants to play for the team as well. What do you think about him? Yeah, well, first of all, Adam Armstrong still continues to impact the game if he's not scoring, he gets assists. And I don't know how many goal contributions he's on at the moment, but it feels like it's over 20. Mm, 26. Um, which is unbelievable. 26. Ridiculous. Wow. There you go. <laughs> it's unbelievable for what he's doing. And the fact he's so versatile as well, it felt like in the Premier League, Adam Armstrong didn't really have a favoured position. We kind of kept moving him around uh, to see where he could play. But 
in the championship, he's he's filling in wherever it needs to be. And the one concern that I had is can Che Adams and Adam Armstrong play together in this system? Uh, because it's not really a two up front system. And that's initially at the start of the season what I had in my head. Um, what it looks like now is that we are managed to accommodate them both uh, in the team. It feels like we're not sacrificing anything, but we've got two very high quality strikers for this level playing for us. And I really think that's the difference. I think Chadams looks a lot more natural than he did. Uh, at the start of the season, he was coming on late and providing an impact, almost didn't really have to think. The chances just kind of arrived at his feet and he put them away. I think there was a, a bit of a dip in the middle where we were trying to provide the opportunities and it, it wasn't quite working. Um, I think QPR away was a real a low because I, I was there at that game and there was two chances on a plate, really, that he should have been should have been putting away and he didn't. Um, but yeah, recently really found his shooting boots. Um, and again, I think we've always said it with Chalhams. It's when he doesn't have to he doesn't have too much time when he has to just kind of get that shot away on the, what was it? Half turn mm. uh, against Sheffield Wednesday. And it, it's just low across the floor, hard for the keeper to get to. And it ends up in the back of the net. And I think that's what it, I think he's a, a kind of when he, when he trusts his instincts and doesn't have to think about it, it, he does get the shot off and usually it's a good strike and ends up in the back of the net. I think it's just the composure sometimes that he, he really lacks. And I think that's always been his issue that we've seen throughout his, his period at the club. Well, Che Adams was linked away from the club in the summer and now it's January. Those links have come up again. Three Premier League teams want him. Six months left on his contract. I said it before and I'll say it again. I don't want him to go and there's loads of reasons for it. One, you're not going to get another player of his quality for the price that we're going to sell him at. He could only score three or four goals between now and the end of the season, but they could be in 1-0 away wins where it's the vital one where we get three points on the board. And say if we could get a striker of his level, they might not know the system. They probably won't know the system. They don't know the team. They don't know the dynamic of the squads. And that's just something that's difficult to quantify. I love my statistics, but it's something you can't really quantify um, within the squad. And I also think, I look at the options out there. Everton, they've got Beto and Calvert-Lewin. He'd really be the third choice unless one of them goes. You look at Wolverhampton Wanderers, they're doing really well without maybe a, a number nine striker. I guess with Chad Adams, he's not the clinical goal scorer, so he could do... A lot of the hold-up play, passing down the wings, you know, you've got Neto on one side is uh, and Huang on the other as well. But if you were Che Adams, what would you be thinking right now, Ollie? You're in a confident squad that everyone seems to be in a really good mood. And I guess if you don't sign the contract, you can just wait and see what the options look like at the summer. If another big team comes in, maybe a top top eight, top ten team, they want you to be the second choice striker, maybe the bottom half of the Premier League, you'd be their top striker. Of course, there might be links from you know Saudi Arabia um, if, if he wants a big money move for his, his wage elsewhere. But what would you do if you were Che Adams? Hmm. Well, you've got to look at it and think, he was in this situation before with scoring goals in the Championship, having eyes in the Premier League. Look at him. This is this is not new to him. This is how he got his move to us originally. Um, but I think if he if he holds out for the summer, there's going to be no transfer fee for him. So he's probably going to have the opportunity for a better wage wherever, to be honest. Because if they wait, they wait six months, then the teams are going to be able to provide a better signing on fee and a better wage. So hopefully the money won't really make too much of a difference and he can do uh, continue on the season with us, finish strong, and then, yes, there will probably be Premier League teams. I think it would be a shame if he went to a team to sit on the bench because I think he benefits from minutes. I think the best we've seen of him is when he gets long stretches of games and I think he needs to be in a team where he can provide more than just goals, which is a strange thing to say, but I think his hold-up ability and his passing goes extremely underrated. And I think a long run in in, uh, in the starting 11, he, could, he can provide a decent amount. So I think he needs to find himself a club where he can get consistent minutes and, um, and really prove himself. If there is a slightly lower Premier League team that could provide that for him, I think... That would be good, but I'm looking at the teams out there, and I don't know. I'm not. I'm not seeing any teams that he walks into in the Premier League in terms of the starting 11s. So I'm. I'm really racking my brains here, but apart from the relegated ones that look like they might be playing Championship football next year, which I don't know whether he would want to commit to. I feel like Saints is a is a good option to to stick with for the moment. 
Well, hopefully Chay Adams is listening to this and he's heard our two inspired speeches and thinks, you know what, I am going to sign that new contract. Well, before half-time, Carl Walker-Peters' low drive across the box was saved by Dawson and our former man, Danny Roll, makes two changes at half-time. One of them was to bring Ashley Fletcher on. He forced a great save out of Pazuni down to his right and then Windass volleyed over after um, Gusama made the most of the, the space that Carl Walker-Peters left behind. And they're two the second one was definitely the better of the two chances I think uh, Ryan Manning sort of lost wind as he came from his blind side and volleyed over you saw the first half as well that a really good opportunity when Bazuni made that mistake and is that the risk and reward football you play with Russell Martin that you won't concede loads of chances or at least now that they know the system but when you do there'll be high quality chances and you've got to just hope that they don't take, take those opportunities you look at this game against Sheffield Wednesday a lot of their opportunities came from that left side of the pitch when Carl Walker-Peters got caught forward from being such a um, you know an impactful attacking right back but sometimes he does leave space in behind I think this reminds me a lot of conversation I've seen in the week about people saying that our style of football is fantastic for the championship, but is it applicable to Premier League and would it be caught out? Moments like that in the Shuffle Wednesday game and a few others earlier in the season as well, when there's been real quality chances for the opposition and they haven't put them away, it does make me think if that was in the Premier League, that would probably not only be a shot on target, but probably in the back of the net as well. So. There is parts of me thinking, yeah, if if we did get promoted to the Premier League, would the style of football have to slightly change? Would we have to make some sacrifices? Or is Russell Martin, I don't want to use the word stubborn, but assured and thinks, no, this is how I play. This is how we, like you said, that the, um, the way you put it, that risk and reward. Um, yeah, is that something that he goes, and this is how, this is my philosophy and I will I will stick by it a little bit like uh, Nathan Jones was trying to do before he got sacked. Um, but yeah, it does make me think about that. And I think we can afford to give those chances in the championship to answer your question. But if we did potentially get to the Premier League, would Premier League op- oppositions be tucking those away? Probably, yes. Yeah. Well, I don't want to promote us already, but let's say <laughs> if we got into the Premier League, do you think Burnley is maybe quite a good case for, for Russell Martin to say look, if you play this style of football, it might not work. Or do we have a, a more stable base in the clutch? You know, Nathan Teller uh, and Howard Bellis, the two of you know, their most important players from last season, they're gone. Ashley Barnes, who was a you know here and there figure, he was also gone. And there's, you know, I'm, I'm not a Burnley fan, but I know a few other players left them as well. That because we haven't really, even though we're going to take up our five loan slots, the players that we've got in through the door, we could probably keep. The ones that maybe like Holgate, for example, aren't a, an impactful member of the squad, at least from the outside looking in. Or is it completely impossible till you play that first game against Manchester City away? <laughs> Yeah, I think that's that's where the real test comes in. But I think Burnley might reflect on the season and think their recruitment was a little bit naive. They might they possibly should have got some stronger people through the door. And I think that that quality may slightly show in between the the Championship and the Premier League. Are they potentially kind of setting themselves up for another really strong Championship season? Getting those players in who are the kind of longer term investments, possibly, uh, and then not getting in that. I mean, we used to say it all the time about having that that senior senior people in the dressing room to get results straight away. Have they yet yeah, potentially done done that? And the fact of getting youngsters in and trying to set themselves up for the future. I'm not too sure. I'm not a Burnley fan, but um, what you're saying is true. Is the is the possession style that you work with? It, it looks fantastic and it provides great uh, chances in the Championship, in the Premier League. It can still be a useful tool, but if you leave yourself exposed, that's always going to create problems. And ours was really the opposite. We weren't scoring goals and we were we were conceding, so that that was our problem. But if you can if you can create enough of chances, if you can get the goals, then I think that should do you okay. I think it's the more the teams that don't score that's where the problems arise. So, yeah, I, I, I'd i still like to be optimistic because I think if you keep a core of players, like you've mentioned, I think that should set you okay. I think potentially too many changes and not investment in the right areas could be detrimental. But I think if you can keep the consistent core, you think the last time when we got promoted, 
the main middle of that team stayed not identical, but stayed relatively the same. And then players kind of dropped in and around to kind of strengthen the squad up and, and improve everyone there. So I think maybe it's the, just the, the optimist in me, the, the, the Saints fan, but I, I think we would be okay if we got promoted. Yeah, possibly concern about the, the tactics, but I think overall, I think we'd be okay. Well, 1-0 was a dangerous scoreline, so I felt so much more comfortable when we got our second Adams just before the halfway line. Plays a delightful ball down the left channel to Stuart Armstrong. He has Adam Armstrong bursting into the box down his right. He takes a good touch, puts it in the bottom corner. The defender on line is so, so unlucky that he didn't keep it out. It's, it hits the underside of the crossbar and goes into the back of the net. And that's goal number 14 for Adam Armstrong this season already, Ollie. And I'll be honest, after the game against Sheffield Wednesday, even though um, at the, the opening day of the season, I must say, even though he did score, technically, that Nathan Teller curling effort sort of deflecting in. Yeah. And that was his first of the season. And when Adam Blackmore, uh, after the game, was talking to him about it, um, that was a, a nice moment that they shared. But I must say, I, I had my doubts. If teams were in low blocks, he might struggle. I mean, I even saw an edit. You know, on TikTok, the you know social media channels, for, for older listeners, edits are where people make compilations of their favorite players and sometimes they have you know impactful music in the background people saying positive or negative things and a couple of months ago i was just with a couple of my friends and they said that there was a video online that had like me speaking over the top of an adam armstrong thing of like saying i i think he might struggle this season i was like that's absolute rubbish i couldn't find anywhere then they sent it to me and yeah someone had made an edit of like about five or six seconds where i said yeah i think adam armstrong might struggle this season and it's him then just like curling a shot in the top corner or something (laughs) like that um can you send that to me please i I need to see that (laughs) i'll try i'll try and find it but do you think he's silencing? Clearly, I'm one of the dousers. Um, do you think he's silencing any of the dousers from last season? Or do you think he's just doing what most people expected of a championship striker that you know thumped in 30-odd goals for, for Blackburn a few years ago? I think it was still... It's, it's still an impressive turnaround. I think his spell at Blackburn proved he could do it, but we almost wondered whether we were ever going to see that again. And... You could see that kind of raw ability and confidence in his first game of the season uh, in the, oh, which year was it? Well, the, the year that he joined and he put it top corner, the first game of the season, we thought, hang on, we've got a real player here. And you can see that quality, but that confidence really dropped over that season. In the championship, fresh start, and he got off to a good start. I think that's really what was crucial. Uh, and that, that got him his confidence back, his self-belief that he could do it and We've just seen from now on. It's just, it's just confidence and and showing his his quality, which he does have, and we're now seeing that quality. I think that um, that finish really proves from the struggles we saw in the Premier League to the Championship. Yes, it is a little bit of fortune the fact that it almost so nearly gets taken just before the crossbar, but it does end up in the back of the net and. It's that confident he's going for on goal. He's got so much time to think about that that finish. And you can hear the whole stadium kind of intake of breath because if he does miss it, it's going to be the, the easiest chance of the game. He's He's got so much time there. But he picks his spot. He gets it past the keeper. The defender tries to get something on it and it still ends up in the back of the net and he goes off and celebrates. It's, it's just that kind of self-assurance that he has that, he knows he's going to put it in the back of the net and that, that's something we've missed for so long. But um, I'm, I'm thinking back to our predictions at the start of the season. I definitely didn't predict him to be top goal scorer. I thought it was going to be Che Adams because I thought overall, I thought he had more to his game that he was going to provide. But I don't think I would have predicted even this amount of goal com- contributions by the end of the season, let alone, uh, let alone by where are we, the start of January. Yeah, I think 14 goals and 11 or 12 assists. So he's close, not not close, but there's a good possibility that he could get 40 goal contributions. I want to say Ricky Lambert got 41 in our championship promotion season. So if that's a tally to aim for, I'd certainly go for it. Well, Bazzuni was kept on his toes at 2-0. He said a good free kick from Windass. 
Adam Armstrong. He went for his second goal, but it was cleared off the line after some good combination play down the left from Adams and Fraser. But he gets the assist, of course he does, for the third goal. Great hold-up play after a small bone pass down the right-hand side. He waits for support. And of course, it's Fraser on the left that rushes forward. Ball gets played to him. And he just curls it across the goal and into the bottom corner. Is Fraser just so much better than you ever imagined. I saw that there was a lot of criticism beforehand when we signed him from some sections of the fans. I don't think from us, I think he was exactly what we wanted in terms of just a squad player, someone that's going to eat up minutes in a 46-game season, someone that had to prove himself. And maybe as a club, we had to prove ourselves after you know a few difficult years. But he just every time we give him a chance, it seems like he makes some sort of impact. Yeah, I I was talking to a Man United fan at the game. Well, not at the game, I wasn't at the game, but while the game was going on and Fraser scored and I I said I think he's he's too good for the championship. And I think that's what this opportunity has provided him. I think he's come in and he's had his name kind of dragged through the mud a little bit because he was kind of from what I heard, he was kind of cast off to train with like the under 23s possibly made an example out of or something but from what I've seen of him even from his first interview this this didn't look like a player who had a poor attitude and I think Russell Martin would have uh, taken that into account before he put him in the squad I think he wants all the best players who are only going to work their absolute hardest for this team he's taken the opportunity and he's he's shown the quality that he's had a few years ago when he had that incredible link up with you know Callum Wilson or was it Josh King yeah. getting loads of assists and goals and really making an impact with that Bournemouth team and, and high flying? And he he looks like Premier League quality in the Championship. But I think it's really smart recruitment, and we've done it previously where we've taken chances on players who have yeah potentially not uh, not been on the best of form and needed an opportunity to to prove themselves. But this is what he's this is what he's provided. He looks. Yeah, I, I think he looks a, a little bit of a class above when he's he's running at these players. He's got so much... Uh, his dribbling is so electric. And I, I think the only the player who excites me more is when Walker-Peters gets on the ball. So between the left-hand side and the right-hand side, we, we've got retreated, really, to see some of the uh, the defenders kind of being spun around and put on a sixpence compared to, uh, to our wingers. So... It's fantastic to watch, and I think the thing that always gets me—I think I've mentioned it quite a lot—but it's his his final decision making. I think sometimes with Adozi and some of the younger players that we've taken opportunities on um, at the wing, you sometimes find that they make the the wrong decision right at the end. They want to beat the defender again. You don't get that with Fraser. How many times have you seen him overplay it? You can see exactly what he's to, he's trying to do, but he's successful with it, and he always makes the right decision at the end of the. Uh, at the end of the move, which is quite almost refreshing for a winger. It's a it's a new position, a kind of veteran winger, but I think it's working really well and he's still got his still got his pace. He's still exciting to watch. It's uh it's perfect for this level. Well he had a part to play in the fourth goal and probably my favourite as well. Carl Walker Peters on the right hand side plays it into Fraser. He flicks it round the corner to Adam Armstrong who does a a lovely low cross into Sakumara who comes off the bench and gets a goal. I think in the last five games, that's a goal involvement every 33 minutes, at least according to at just saints underscore on Twitter. Anyway, is he a player that's becoming impossible to ignore after a really difficult start to the season? Cause I had my doubts at the, you know, against Sunderland, there's plenty of games where he came off the bench and I was thinking, I'm not really expecting anything from him, but now every time he comes off the bench, I'm going, okay, I'm I'm intrigued to see what he does after his last performance, and then after his last performance before that, he always seems to just add something. Yeah, I think you asked me a very similar question last week, mm. so I'll keep it kind of short and sweet. But what I was mentioning last week is that he feels like a real investment for the future, and I think what he's doing now is he's finding a way to impact off the bench. I think he he probably knows he's not getting ahead of Armstrong and Che Adams, so. He's probably looking at it and thinking, right, I've got 15, 20 minutes to come off the bench. I can give it my absolute all for those minutes. Uh, and then from then on, it's just getting in those right positions. You know, I don't have to kind of pace myself for a whole 90 and make sure I, I leave some in the tank for pressing and stuff like that. I can just kind of make those runs, make as many runs as possible, get in the right places. And 
I think he's got a natural instinct for getting in the right places at the right time because a lot of the goals we've seen, they're not, you know, they're not unbelievable finishes. They're not an Alcaraz curling from 25 yards. They're edging six yard box, which is where you want your striker to be. But he's just popping up in the right places and uh, and people are finding that he's putting it in the back of the net. So there's definitely promise there. And I think what he's what he's doing is is great. He's kind of he's kind of realizing this is the impact he's going to have towards the team. But he's slowly, you know, without you kind of realizing, he's slowly building his numbers up and he's kind of honing his craft. So I think it's great so far. Again, I think it's good management from uh, Russell Martin. I think he's getting the minutes and he's getting the confidence up as well. So I think it's a win-win all round. Well, falling up and cruising, Tyler Dibbling also got some minutes as well. I think as soon as he came off the bench, he flicked the ball around one defender, got a shot away, but it was it got deflected out for a corner. But it's always good as a Saints fan to see the youngsters come off the bench. That's exactly the philosophy of the club that I've grown up with. I think you know Ollie has obviously grown up with as well, been able to see those, those young players that have come through the academy get their chance. But now it's time to move on to Swansea, the 12.30 kickoff away in Wales. And well, they've got a new manager, Luke Williams. He took charge of their game against Birmingham, a, a gutting 2-2 draw really for the Swans there. 2-1 up right until the 95th minute. And James has got a 95th minute equaliser. He came from Notts County, did their new head coach. And what do you think going into this game, Ollie? It could be a record-breaking match if we don't lose. It's 103 years since we've had such a good run. Swansea, 15th, eight wins, nine draws, 10 losses. It's it's one of those difficult games where, because it's against Russell Martin's former team, Luke Williams' first home championship game, they're going to want to see a reaction, especially as we beat them 5-0 just on Boxing Day. So not even a month ago did they see their team get pumped by us. It's it's one of those things where they're going to want to spoil the party. But then again, we thought the same when, when Danny Roll came to town with his new side and well, they were just pushed away. I love the use of the word pumped. That really made me laugh. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I do think this could be, again, I don't want to say every week and say, oh, this could be the one that's the the problem. But you have to think, you've mentioned it previously, that they're going to want a reaction. I mean, we, we beat them quite heavily last time. And I think they did pose dangers. I think I mentioned it when we were reviewing it. We went through all, all of the reviews uh, last week. They did have chances. They just didn't put, I think, two really close opportunities that they had away. So I think we need to be more cautious this time. We haven't been as successful away from home. Sometimes we do struggle getting that second goal. I think we mentioned it last week. It's been quite a few games now where we have only got one and we've struggled to push on for that second one. So I think that could be a concern. Um, And then you've got this new manager bringing in a new philosophy. I think Managers like to keep it simple initially before they start putting their own spin on things. But you get players with new confidence and also wanting to prove themselves to their new manager. And there's sometimes players that get a new lease of life. So I do think it has the potential to be, I'm not going to use the word slip up, but it could be a tricky game that we that we come up against. So I think, it, yeah, a little bit cause for concern. But I think continuing on with the form we have, I think we will be okay. But I think, yeah, I think you're right. It, it could be a potential banana skin. Now, you mentioned the goal-scoring problems there at, at times. Obviously, not at home, but away. And I think I asked you a similar question last week, but I'm going to go for it again. Our home comforts are coming to an end. Four of our last five matches were at home. Now it's five in six away. And you look at our last six away games we've only scored one goal in each of those going all the way back to the 25th of November when a Gavin Bazuna inspired equaliser against Preston North End got us a 2-2 draw now that feels ages away especially because of how good our streak's been but a couple of drop points here and there I think this is our toughest run of the season, not maybe in terms of the calibre of teams we're coming up against, but because of how we've been away from home. If we can get through this period of games, I know one of them's in the FA Cup, but if we can get through this this period of games in a similar position, second, maybe third, we could be in a really strong, strong position. I agree. And I think you've got to look at, I think teams like... Ipswich they've had a little blip and you have to kind of we'll have to see how long that's going to last for because I know they've got to travel to is it Leicester this week oh yes they've got to go yeah that's going to be a massive massive game so 
are we going to see a reaction from them or is it going to be another result that they're not going to be happy with? We really need to take advantage if we want to try and push towards that second. But like you say, some really tough fixtures coming up and we've got to find our feet away from home. I think I, I mentioned to you that um, if you can win all your games at home comfortably and take draws away from home, then that will be good enough. But I think if we're trying to push for second now, we need to start getting some wins on the board away and try and show it comfortably as well. I think holding on for one nils away from home with the home fans on your back trying to break you down, I think is a little bit a little bit tough. I think that idea of trying to get teams to to come out and play you when you're one nil up, it is successful. The only slight caveat with it is if you're away from home, you've got, you know, potentially thirty thousand people also trying to cheer them on and and really go at you, which could potentially cause some some concerns. I mean, again, games like Watford come to mind where they're really forcing it near the end of the game and they end up getting an equaliser and we we go home disappointed. At the start of the game, you would have taken it, but at the end, you, you feel disappointed. So I don't want to be disappointed by the next six games that come up. I want us to get the results. And I think hopefully we should be able to win the games that we, we dominate because sometimes that hasn't been the case. But... Yeah, I, I, I guess we shall see. Now, I know your answer to this question about you don't want to change a winning team. And why would you change a team <laughs> that's 20 unbeaten? And because there's a week between fixtures, it's not like we really have to rest players either. But when you look at our defence, do you think it's our strongest back four? Where does Stevens fit in this equation? Do you think he's going to have to wait till February where we get a few Tuesday fixtures so he, he gets some time there maybe when Harwood Bellis or Bednarek need a rest because as the club captain you want to see him play but also if you're yeah. keeping clean sheets you're not looking you know too worried at the back it's just going to have to be patience really for him yeah I, d- I didn't want us to try and shoehorn someone like Jack Stevens in because he felt like such a important season come uh, important player Come the start of the season is what I'm trying to say. Um, and yeah, I think we have such a solid foundation at the back. And I'm a real believer that a back four should stay similar as much as possible unless there is someone who is struggling. I think if everyone is at full fitness and everyone is confident to go into the game, then I want to see it stay the same. So if, if there is a slight injury or someone is looking tired and they need to, to move out of the back four, then I get that. And I'm, I'm happy to see those changes because then that could potentially prevent injuries down the line and uh, possible mistakes. But I think a lot of people, I think it's very hard to come out of the team if you're winning, confidence-wise as well. If you're a back four and you're thinking just one 4-0, kept a clean sheet, you'd be, you'd, you'd be quite frustrated if you ended up coming out of the team. So... Um, yeah, if I was Russell Martin, I'd be. You predicted my answer at the start of the question, but I'd be trying to keep it as similar as possible because, at the end of the day, the players prove themselves to get there, and they continue to prove themselves by by staying in the team. Now it's time for my favourite part of the podcast. It's score prediction time. Swansea versus Southampton at the twelve thirty kickoff. And what I like that with the early one because it's on TV and it also piles the pressure on Leicester and Ipswich at the same time, and even Leeds because. I mean, it's only a good thing if we win, I guess, because then they can look at it and go, wow, they're, they're going to stretch further ahead of us or they're going to really put some pressure on us. But what do you think is going to happen? Oh, do do I think we'll break the the rule that we only score one away from home? I'm not sure. I think I think it could happen, you know. I, think, I don't know whether we'll keep a clean sheet. I'm going to go for a solid 2-1. I think we'll get two away from home. I'm not. I'm going to go 1 0. We're going to keep a clean sheet, but I'd be happy just to get out, you know, similar to when we did, uh, when we needed to stay up, when Gabbiadini just got that scrappy goal poked yeah. in. And it's one of those fixtures that, on paper, it probably doesn't look the most difficult, even though they've got the new manager bounce. But those are the ones that normally trip teams up where they're not expecting too much from them. And then if they get a one all draw or if they even get a win, you know, we could be 20 unbeaten. But if we lose back to back games and Leeds win back to back games, they go above us. It's it's as simple as that. That shows the pressure of the championship this season. And here's what Jamie thinks from the ski slopes. Hello, this is Jamie reporting live from Val Touraine in France on my little skiing holiday. Sorry I can't make it for the podcast episode. However, my predictions for the upcoming 
game against Swansea is going to be, considering the result a few weeks ago, I'm going to go for a 3-0 away victory and up the Saints. Hope to be back on the episode soon. Now, before we wrap up this podcast, there's a couple of interesting points that I want to raise. And first off, we're going to go incomings, but not the ones that you expect. I saw something interesting on Twitter that someone asked, would there be anyone that you'd take back who was loaned out at the start of the season? So the Bella Kotchaps or the Parades or the Liankos. Is there anyone there that you'd be interested to keep? Or in your mind, are you thinking, well, they left what they believed is a sinking ship, so they get sold? Mm, it's tough. I, I looked at Bella Koch. I did have a little loan watch and see where everyone who went out on loan has gone. Um, the one that interested me was Bella Kotchuk because I thought he is a player with such immense quality. And I think he's still fairly young. I don't think he... But I think he's, his heart wasn't in it in the championship and he went out on loan. But I think he struggled a lot with injuries and I don't think he's getting many minutes at where he is at the moment. So that that was the only one that I was of real interest at. Um, but it's tough. I think loan recalls are, are interesting. We did it with Bednarak, and I think he was our best player uh, in terms of the defensively. Um, the po- post-January uh, in the kind of relegation season. So it could potentially work. But do I think we need it right now? I mean, I, just I if we're back in the Prem. So say, for example, oh. we're back in the Prem. Would you uh, consider it? Because for me, I, I look at our back four right now. Do you know what? I thought Bella Kotchap was a really, really good player. There's sometimes that... I wasn't sure maybe of his decision-making, um, especially in the Notts Forest, Nottingham Forest game. I'm not going to say Notts Forest because they don't like it. Um, but in the Nottingham <laughs> Forest game, when we lost 1-0, I think he might have came off with an injury. It's one of those difficult ones where you, mm. you're not sure if he just he just went off because he, he was having a tough game. I don't want to assume. But I look at our back four and I think, is he better than Bedrick? Some is of these things are... Than Leave it Bellis? for January and, and best review. I'm not completely sure. And I look at Bellicott... Uh, not Bellicott, up. I look at Chiletta Saar or I look at Lianco and I look at Parades and I'm thinking... You could recall them, but they're not going to guarantee a place on the team because I'm not convinced they're better than what we have already. What do you think, Rothwell? Essential midfielder. Because when I looked at the news originally, I thought we're packed in that area. You know, the likes of Alcaraz... Um, and Ariba, who's now at the AFCON, their their places aren't even guaranteed. So putting someone else in the mix, you know, can be really good for squad competition, but also it, it forces someone out. Or is it is it just really good cover? I think what it is is an opportunity. I think they've noticed that a player of his quality has become available, and I think he wants minutes. And I think Russell Martin wants him in the squad. I think it might potentially up the game of some of the people who realise okay, here's a new player coming in he might be sharing my minutes so I've really got to step it up, I think Aribo's had a great um, revival if that's the word, over the last few games and we've really seen him perform well but if he is going to be away, it means when he comes back he's got to be really on it because there's a player who could potentially be in his position and I don't know too much about the player that's coming in because it all got done pretty quickly before I could go and watch compilation videos on YouTube Um but from what I've seen from uh, Bournemouth fans, they said you've got a real player on your hands and they're a little bit disappointed that he didn't get the minutes. Well, someone we heard the exact same reviews was uh, Flynn Downs, a West Ham fan saying you've got a great player there, wish he would get more minutes for us, but didn't quite work out. And it's the exact same thing we're hearing from the, the lad from Bournemouth. So hopefully it's another player that can provide real quality. And um, yeah, like I said, he might be taking minutes away from uh, other players in the team, but it also means they've got to match him and try and, and try and up their game as well. Yeah, I trust uh, Russell Martin and Jason Wilcox as well. They've not done too badly so far. Now, talking about January additions, I'm going to go hypothetical. If there's a position that you could bring in, either on loan or a permanent basis, although FFP sort of makes it look like we can't really do that, is there somewhere that you want to strengthen? Or are you pretty happy with the, the way the squad's looking? I mean, the one thing that people were asking for, they were hoping to see Ross Stewart by this time. And I do get it. I think people will be asking, is there any opportunity for us to bring a striker in? I think it will be very situational. If an opportunity arises and we can get a player in, I think the one thing is we're in a very fortunate position to try and coax someone in, if that's the best word. I think if any players potentially get recalled in January because they're they're doing really well and they need to go 
higher up the leagues or test himself at a new level, I think we could be a very good opportunity to do that. I think the manager's proved himself as a, a very good environment to enter. So in terms of providing an opportunity for players, I don't think we could be better suited. However, I think it depends on the market. I think there's a lot of teams uh, in potential similar uh, situations to us who are happy to almost stockpile uh, strikers uh, so that the rest of the league can't have them. I think of like teams like Ipswich have a substantial amount of strikers and quality in their side that they're, they're being greedy and they're not sharing them <laughs> around. But, you know, it, it, like I said, it really depends. Is there the quality out there? Um, and is anyone looking to move and potentially come in? Like you said, most likely on loan, probably not signing, depending on our financial fair play. Uh, we'll see. But the, the only thing you can say is, I think, yeah, like, like as mentioned, I think we've put ourselves in a brilliant position to try and get some players into the squad. Yeah, and I mean, if you look at all the championship clubs at the moment... Leicester and Ipswich aside, obviously, we're a really appetising opportunity. If you if you come in on loan with an option to buy, if we get promoted and you you, know, you play a star role, then brilliant. Um, anyway, that's all we've got time for for this week's episode of the podcast. We reviewed the thumping 4-0 win over Sheffield Wednesday, previewed the upcoming game against Swansea and had a little look at the transfer business and the loan market as well. People that we might want to recall or, or bring back at the end of the season, although I'm, I've got a lot of questions. And also Joe Rothwell as well was announced when we recorded this about an hour ago. So it's our fresh <laughs> thoughts as, as new as they could be. Anyway, my name has been Harry Tizard. I've been joined by Ollie Boast. Thank you very much for listening. Hopefully next week we'll be having a look at the win over Swansea before previewing our FA Cup clash away to Watford. We'll see you next week.